Hey, welcome and good morning. Yeah, I'm wearing my Redbird shirt. That's right. It's a big night tonight. Headed over to Illinois State. Clark Kellogg is the guest speaker over at the Redbird Dinner. Yeah. Basketball is getting started. The NBA is getting started. How about that? The NBA starts tonight, and I got questions. I didn't really put this on our rundown, but I do have questions. I think you do, too. Let me give you a gambling tip. There's something about this Pacer team that I really like. I'm not sure what. Not 100% sure I'm going to be right on this. What the hell is that thing doing? Uh, but I got to tell you, take over 23 and a half on a season bet in terms of wins. Do it right now. I'll give you a minute. Go to DraftKings right now and go ahead and do it. I'm telling you, uh, the Pacers are going to win about 27, 30, 30 games, 30 and whatever it is, 52. That seems about right. They're going to go over, and you're going to end up cashing uh, out at the end of the season, which, by the way, doesn't end until June. But, of course, we have questions. Is Zion Williamson fat? We'll get into all of my questions when we get to that part of the show. But last night, I don't know what to tell you. And I started asking these questions. You know, there are five quarterbacks in the NFL that are making $230 million or more. Uh, And I'll give them to you. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Deshaun Watson. Are any of them worth it? Now, I don't know what the actual worth is. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, um, well, what does worth it mean? Jersey sales? I don't know, right? Who knows? But I do know this. When you watch him on the field, and last night we had a chance to watch Russell Wilson. My goodness. Started out great. Started out like he knew what he was doing. 10 for 10 in the first quarter, 100 and some yards, 115 yards, and then he went south. I would argue that last night watching Russell Wilson lose to a kicker who had a bad leg, which is basically what happened last night, and because he has a defensive back named Mathis that got not one, not two, not three, but four, count them, four. That's right, four pass interference penalties. I would argue that Russell Wilson is not worth it. He has led his team to 15.2 points a game this year. That doesn't seem good. And frankly... The longer the game goes and the more anybody adjusts, the worse he is. Now, he ran a little bit yesterday, and I thought that opened things up. I thought that when they started doing a couple naked bootleg things, that was pretty good. Well, guess what? He may have to run more because his passing is not on point. And I thought what Troy Aikman said was interesting when he said, look, this is an undisciplined team. It doesn't run routes well. So I've got five of them. I've got five. All right? I've got Wilson. I've got Murray. I've got Mahomes, Allen, and then, of course, we have Watson. Now, I think we would all agree, would we not, that Deshaun Watson has not been worth it? Now, look, I understand that everybody jumps up and down, stands on their head and craps snowballs because Deshaun Watson's the greatest quarterback in the history of the world. I get all that. I do. But i got to tell you, I've watched Deshaun Watson, I don't know, since he came into the league at least once a year at the crib, and there wasn't much going on there. He was all right. No, he was good. He was fine. He was okay. He really was. I mean, look, I don't, I don't think that he was, I don't know, anything better than anybody else. I mean, he was fine. He was good. Everybody makes this guy out to be like he is the second coming. We're going to see because Cleveland, after week 11, may be out of it or maybe they're not. I don't know. But as it heads right now, it appears he might be out of it. So he's not worth it. Russell Wilson certainly 
isn't worth it. Kyler Murray's a child. You can spin it any way you want. You can get mad. You can call it racism. You can call it anything you'd like. But the bottom line is when they put that clause in that contract, they did it for a reason. He ain't worth it. Mahomes, absolutely. Allen, absolutely. Mahomes getting about $500 million. He's not messing around. Allen, over the $230 million threshold, to this point, he's worth it. However, however, it's a long season, and I've told you this going back. I like his eyes in big moments. I'm not saying it wasn't a big moment the other day with the Chiefs, but let's be honest. When you are Mahomes and you are Allen, or actually any of these five guys, big moments mean what? AFC playoff games. Big moments mean what? Super Bowls. So last night we watched the game, and last night it came down to a muff punt and a kicker making four kicks on a bad leg that, oh, by the way, I had on my fantasy team. And my fantasy team beat Chad's fantasy team. Chad was 4-1. and one. Uh, mm, I think I moved to 4-2 and two now. I'm doing pretty good for a guy that legitimately doesn't know. I don't even know how fantasy works. But last night we saw it, we watched it, and you can see for yourself, I don't know whether Russell Wilson's arm is still the same. I don't know that Russell Wilson's wide receivers aren't running great routes. I do know this, that Sutton kid and Jerry Jude are pretty good wide receivers, and the tight end they've got, the kid Dulcich from UCLA, is a pretty good tight end. Now, I don't know what they're doing with Melvin Gordon, but I will, I will tell you, if I am, if I am the, man, if, I, if I'm the Denver Broncos, I got to sit down and go, hey, man, what's going on here? What, what, what are you doing? Like, you're playing bad. Like, are you practicing? Are you here? I mean, I know you got the celebrity wife. I, I know you got the whole deal going, Russell, but are you with us? It's the same thing with Brady. It's no different than Brady. Like, that would be the first thing that I would say to Brady if I was the owner for the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'd say, are you with us? Are you here? Are you doing what we need you to do as the starting quarterback? He can yell and scream at his teammates all he wants, Brady, and I'll get into the Stephen A. Smith stupidity coming up here in a minute. But he can yell and scream all he wants, but the truth of the matter is Tom Brady needs one thing and Russell Wilson needs one thing, focus. You can't be one foot in, one foot out. I mean, was there a premiere? Now, I don't pay attention to this like I used to. I used to get People Magazine like it was my job because I could do the crossword puzzle. And I wanted to see where Jennifer Aniston was hanging out. Instead, I just married her twin. Pretty good move by me. <laughs> anyway, so I don't know, but it seems like every time you turned on a TV, Russell Wilson was doing something. He was on a red carpet. He was in a show. His wife was showing uh, a split dress up to her crotch. I mean, this is a fashionista couple. This isn't a football couple, so go be fashionistas. Go, go, go sit down. Tom Brady, go. Go save your marriage. I mean, we'll be all right. We'll watch football. But damn, if you're going to play, play. No? Yes. Play. Guys are giving me a headache. They are. They're starting to give me a headache. You two guys, go play. And it ain't racism. We'll get into that stupidity in a minute. Uh, Charles Barkley texted him last night. He was nice enough to text me back. Charles Barkley is the guy. Now, let me ask you a question. We'll get into Stephen A. Smith coming up here in a minute. Mike Francesca, Chase Clayhill, Claypool. But let me ask you something. When you watch pregame, postgame, halftime shows, is there anybody you watch other than Barkley? 
and I'm being totally serious about this. Like, is there anybody you watch? Like, do you turn on or do you turn off the NBA halftime show? The NBA halftime show is one of those deals where I don't want to watch any of it. Like, I don't watch none of it. You guys may watch it. Hey, they could put whoever. When Sage Steele was on the show uh, and I worked at ESPN, we used to laugh at the show. The show was laughable. I mean, you try hard with a 90-year-old Mike Wilbon who looks half dead, a racially charged moron, and as he proved himself time and time again in Jalen Rose, Stephen A. Smith's yelling, but Stephen A. Smith doesn't know anything about basketball, neither does Wilbon. How would they? They don't know anything. Now you got Barkley. Now you got Kenny Smith. Now you got Shaq. You could take Shaq and get him off of that, and it would be a better show. But Charles Barkley's the one guy, the one guy in broadcasting that you tune into at halftime. I'm not trying to disparage my friends here at Fox. I'm not. Urban Meyer's football breakdowns on Big Noon Saturday and Charles Barkley are the two things that I watch. You may watch something different. You may love to watch whoever on the halftime show. The CBS college basketball shows where you throw uh, Clark Kellogg in there, they're fine, but only when Charles Barkley talks. I mean, if you took Charles Barkley off that, you couldn't have it. The Big Ten Network has a bunch of children on it. They're trying to audition every minority and every young kid and every uh, former player and every whatever that's 22 years old. And they end up with, you know, little kids on there. So that's not watchable. And ESPN, I do like Seth Greenberg. Seth Greenberg gives me information. But the rest is just what, what Billis is mad at everybody. Jay Williams is unprepared, but Seth Greenberg is a coach. So I'll watch Seth. So basically Seth and Barkley, Kenny Smith as well. That's it. Football. I mean, who am I going to watch in football? Joey Galloway? Who am I going to watch in football? Jesse Palmer? Who am I going to watch in football? I I don't know. I don't don't know the Fox. Well, I I watch Urban if he's breaking down football because I like listening to a coach. So who do you really watch? Well, I got to tell you, it's Barkley. So Barkley gets what he deserves. This is well north of $100 million, possibly $200 million according to the media. I will bet you money, and we'll get Charles back on the show. He was on earlier. I'll bet you money that's not true. I just bet you money. I mean, anything that they get – you know, I, I, every time I talk to somebody who's involved in something like this, they go, yeah, it's exaggerated. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, you know, whatever. So, whatever, but that man is worth it. That man understands a couple of things. One, he's not angry. And the one thing I always tried to emulate when I was with him on the set was to shut up. Now, it sounds stupid, right? Shut up. If you watch Barkley, he sits on his side and waits. And then it comes around to him. And then he's prepared. So many guys can't wait to talk. Watch the ESPN college basketball guys. They're all little kids. They're all trying to, uh, well, well, well. no. There's nobody on those sets other than Seth that has any basis of information. I'll listen to Gottlieb, too, because Gottlieb studies it. But really, when you break it down, Barkley is a franchise. He is. I'm a franchise. I can't get a job, but you put me on, it's the best. It's the way it is. I'm sorry. People watch. People go, well, what's Dockage going to say? Because it's informed. 
And that's the way it goes. So the truth of the matter is Charles Barkley gets $100 million and he's worth every penny. I don't know if he gets $100 million. I don't believe any of these clowns. But he gets whatever's reported to be $100 million. He's a great dude. I've never met him in person, but we text. He comes on shows when I asked. He's fantastic. Well done. And he shuts up. Urban Meyer shuts up. Jesse Palmer can't stop talking. Can't stop talking. Jay Bill is angry. The worst of all time, and I think you'll agree with this, at the NCAA tournament was the Rex Chapman, Seth Davis, Candace Parker. Now, I understand two of the three are protected. I understand media protected. You know, Candace Parker is awful. She didn't even know the names of anybody. Chapman, who knows? And Seth Davis is like that little kiss ass she had in school. They're horrible. That's the standard for awfulness. But Barkley got exactly what he deserved. Speaking of media stuff, this happened the other day. And I couldn't agree with Mike Francesa more. Mike Francesca, the, the, the sports pope, ladies and gentlemen, went after Bob Costas. Now, he didn't go after Bob Costas for his information. He went after Bob Costas for one simple reason. Hey, Bob, shut the hell up. Man, let it breathe, as they say in the industry. There are three things you're supposed to do, uh, in my opinion, while broadcasting a game. One, shut up and let it breathe. Two, be interesting with your analysis. And three, forecast. What does forecast mean? Forecast means you predict and say what's going to happen before it does. And the thought is this. The thought is, well, if you're wrong, nobody remembers. When you're right, you're a genius. That's kind of the thing. Okay? (laughs) So those are the three things. Costas does entertain. He can't forecast. He never played. That's what the analyst is there for. So he's not going to forecast. But he does have good stories. But my God, Bob Costas, as Mike Francesa said, will not shut up. The, The things on Twitter yesterday were really funny during the rain delay about how Costas would go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And Ron Darling would say, Bob, that was a ball outside. And Costas is talking about the 1953 uh, 1953 champs. What? So at the... I can't hear you. Uh, I I, I can't... Whatever you're saying in my ear, I'm just going to continue. Send me a text. Uh, And I don't know if it's for me or not. But anyway, I'm on a roll, and I'm going to continue on a roll. So, Francesca, all right, go to Francesca. Francesca. Beta got a home run. So you got three home runs. You use the power. Costas, who will not be quiet no matter what. Listen, Costas has just, I don't know, he thinks that I guess every word is golden because he just will not shut up. Everything's a history lesson. We don't need a history lesson every two seconds. Okay? Everybody's a Yankee fan. They have Yankee history. They understand Yankee history. They know it backwards and forwards. This is not a history class. It's a baseball game. Be quiet. Do the game. He's driving everybody crazy. He must have said a thousand times, the Yankee home runs. We know the Yankees have doubled their home runs this year. 
We know the Indians hit 127 homers and the Yankees hit 254. We know that. Everybody knows it. Make the point once, not 4,000 times. I got to tell you, I love the New York Post. If you want a great follow on Twitter, follow the New York Post. It's awesome. Mike Francesca right there. Sessa, he not messing around. He will not shut up. Man, oh, man. Well, you know, in 58, uh, Harvey McClendon threw a no-hitter uh, ball outside. And the no-hitter ended when he got, uh, I forget this guy, Zion Williamson to chase. I don't care. Entertain me, which he's, he's pretty good. I, I, when, he, when he's on point, he's pretty good. Tell the story. Forecast. Ron Darling's supposed to forecast, but Ron Darling can't get a word in. I mean, can't even speak. Oh, man, don't go down this road, Chase Claypool, the wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I chewed tobacco for 35 years. I used to chew on the air during my radio show. Let's show Chase Claypool taking a lipper. Oh, don't do it. Don't. Oh, it feels awesome. Uh, Gunner, come here real quick. He gave me a celebratory dip. It's my first time ever. I can't really, all these lights, but uh, it feels good. Don't do it. Don't do it, Chase Claypool. Don't do it, kids out there. No. No, 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 no. I remember the first dip that I had. I was playing first base. I'm like, whoa. The big leaguers were doing it. We thought we were doing it. So it started about a 35-year. Let me see. I was probably 17. I stopped about 10 years ago. So I'm 50. Yeah, about 35 years. Here's why I stopped. All right. This is a true story. I literally would at halftime chew tobacco. I literally, right after the game, couldn't wait to get a chew. I'd wake up on game day, have breakfast, go to the office, and put a dip in all day. Literally. Not figuratively. Literally. So we're playing Virginia Tech. This is a true story. We're playing Virginia Tech, and we beat Virginia Tech. And that night, I I, I actually put a separate hotel room for my family and for me so I could watch film with my staff and put a chew in. I was so addicted. Long car ride, big dip. So I dip, right? I'm watching the game tape. I'm chewing tobacco. Go to sleep. Great day. Beat Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech. Got a game the next day. I have this dream. In this dream, I'm fluttering over my daughter's wedding in the back of Saints Peter and Paul Church in Maryville, Indiana. I'm an angel. I'm not an angel. I'm a guy fluttering. And my then wife, my daughter are in the back of the church. My daughter is beautiful. She's dressed in white. She's getting married. And I was so sad that I couldn't be at the wedding. And my daughter is crying. Why daddy have to chew tobacco, mom? Why daddy have to chew tobacco? So I quit the next day. Now you got to understand, this was about December. I quit from December to probably June when golf season started. Literally couldn't play golf without a dip. Chewed again for years and years I chewed. Driving home, ESPN with a friend of mine named Kent Sterling. We're driving from Wisconsin after the game. Got about a five-hour drive starting at about 9 o'clock at night. Got a big heater in. Go to bed. Wake up. True story. I I go to bed. I'm sleeping. Same exact dream. Same dream. 
My daughter is fluttering in the back of the church, a church that I know well. I went to this school, St. Peter and Paul. I know the back. I was an altar boy. I know exactly where my daughter is. Same exact dream. My daughter, beautiful and white. Daddy, why, why did daddy have to chew tobacco? Why couldn't he be here? And they're crying. And I swear to God, I have not had a chew since, not one. And here's also what happened. I just happened to be on Facebook. I opened up Facebook. A friend of mine, older brother, friend of mine's name was Pat Burns. His older brother was Tom Burns. Tom died eventually, but I opened it up to Tom's face and his picture was there and he didn't have a face. Now this is not a dream. He had a mask from smoking. He had lost his jaw. So between the dream and between Tom Burns, I was done. I have not had a chew in 10 years, at least 10. I think it's 10 years. I was at ESPN for 10 years. I probably my second year there. I've been off for a couple years, probably 10 years. Those two dreams do not dip. You don't want to lose your tongue. In fact, every time I go to the dentist and he does that scan, I'm like, oh man, I got cancer from dipping. You know what I mean? No, stop. I stop. You can stop and your mouth heals quickly. Stop. Don't do it. Don't do it. No backy. No wacky tobacky and no regular backy. No snuff, no chew, no vape. Don't do it. Drink like a crazy person. I don't know. <laughs> Yo, Elijah Moore, what are you doing? What are you doing? The New York football giants or jets are on a roll. And this is a second year guy. If I say what I really want to say, I'll be a selfish guy. Right. We win it. Guys go to school. Grateful. Huge blessing. All I ever wanted. Then shut up. If it's all you ever wanted, then it is not bittersweet. If it's all you ever wanted, my wife right now, Lee Ross, is all I ever wanted in a wife. It ain't bittersweet. So I'll just stay quiet. Uh, can you put that back up? So I'll just stay quiet. What is wrong with these peoples? Just know I don't understand either. What is wrong with these guys? What is wrong with NFL? What is wrong with anybody? Your team is four and two. You don't understand how about your team's four and two? Understand that. So everything uh, before, I'll just stay quiet. Well, you didn't stay quiet. Just so I don't understand either. Well, you're not. Everything isn't about winning. These guys are so full of crap, and no one calls them out on it. Guy said to me today, well, he wasn't complaining. What? What? <laughs> Read the whole quote. He wasn't complaining. There's the quote. Their team hasn't been four and two since I was in college. Their team stinks. But I'll be quiet. Yeah, but I don't understand it either. All I ever wanted was to win. Uh, well, all you ever wanted was to win and you're sitting here whining? <laughs> yeah. You want a lesson? Make him inactive. Take a, not take a game check. Just make him inactive. See how he likes that? You won't hear another word out of him. All right, a lot of you are losing your mind about Stephen A. Smith. A lot of you are upset that Stephen A. Smith did what Stephen A. Smith does. Stephen A. Smith is an entertainer. Stephen A. Smith is an entertainer that is trying to move into politics. So by trying to move into politics, he's doing what I did, just at a much higher level. 
You know, he's tired of the world around him. He's tired of just being a sports analyst. He's tired of just, you know, sitting there talking about the Cowboys every day. So he's trying to branch out. You've seen him on different Fox shows. There's no question in my mind Stephen A. Smith wants to run for something, if possible. No question in my mind Stephen A. Smith, and he's using a familiar tactic, divide, be racial, and divide. So Stephen A. Smith, in talking about Tom Brady, can we play the Stephen A. Smith thing, the graphic or whatever we have? We need to be consistent. Was he passionate or angry white guy? All right. Okay. Because if that was someone else doing what he was doing with his offensive line, if that was a black man, we would have been talking about his temper. That's crap. If you act like an idiot on the sideline, we would be. We wouldn't have been talking about the fact that he might not need to act like that with cameras rolling. All I'm trying to say is when a black quarterback does that, I don't want to hear nothing about it since no one is saying anything about Tom Brady doing it. Well, I did. I don't care whether Stephen A. Smith wants to hear nothing about it. I don't care less. Stephen A. Smith's doing what you try, what you do now to get into politics. He's trying to be a racial guy. He's, he's in the post-Kaepernick era. He's learned that if you can be a racially charged guy on the side of being African-American, it works out well for you financially in the media. It just does. You can get mad about it. You can call me whatever names you want. But Stephen A. Smith has started doing that. I'm sure there's an advisor somewhere, somehow, that said, hey, that's what we're going to do. That's it. We got to get you racial. Stephen A. Smith has become that guy. And ESPN is that thing. And it fits in perfectly. Imagine if a white dude came on there and said the same thing. Hey, when we see a black quarterback, I mean, it's crazy. I don't care whether you like Stephen A. Smith or you don't like Stephen A. Smith, but if you take his sports takes for anything other than entertainment, you're out of your mind. And don't get so worked up over Stephen A. Smith. He's just doing what we do now. He's doing what we do now, which is, hey, if I want to get into politics and I want to be a liberal, then I got to racially divide. That's it. That's what they, that's what they do. That's what liberals do. That's what you see. That's why it's all you see. That's why you see Biden. That's why you see all these people talking about the racial divide. And you see guys like Todd Bowles say, yeah, well, uh, you're all are idiots. That's why you see little white girl on ESPN talking about, well, you have to know that you look like somebody. So you might No, She's an idiot. That's what the Libbies do. It's no big deal. But if you're going to take, if you're going to take Stephen A. Smith's sports take seriously, that is on you. Because there is not one damn thing to take serious with that guy, other than if you like being entertained. And if you like being entertained, then good. <laughs> it's all good. I mean, you know, otherwise, turn the channel. I said it this morning. I said, look. Hey, if Stephen A. Smith doesn't entertain you, if you are looking at Stephen A. Smith as anything other than entertainment, then you're an idiot. You're a bigger idiot than he is. There's no reason to look at Stephen A. Smith as anything other than entertainment. And if you like the yelling and screaming back at each other, and you like the pompous, and you like the racial crap, then Stephen A.'s for you. It's that simple. I don't ever watch it. But I never watched it. 
I mean, he used to be on the radio here, and it was horrible. So they, you know, they got him off. But now he's become a star. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, turn it off. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Burr is going to join us. We haven't talked to Burr in a while, but nobody brings it harder than Ryan Burr. We're going to talk coaching in the NFL. Colts fans, he usually has a little something-something for you, probably a better two. Um, I don't want to listen because I am on fire betting, by the way. I mean, absolute fire. Two parlays hit this weekend, one for 1,800, one for 1,300. Total winnings on those, uh, about three grand. I may quit my job, wear this, you know, jacket like a good gambler does, wear a sweatsuit and just walk around the neighborhood. Ryan Burr, the best, next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, there's no better guest on any show ever than Ryan Burr. You know him. You love him. You see him. Making Birdies is a great podcast. He uh, He covers the PGA Tour for ESPN better than anybody, and he knows a lot about a lot of stuff. At least he says he does. You're not big on my beloved Colts. You never have been, and you won't be. Well, I mean, we've been through this before. I'm not going to recycle material, Dan, but, I mean, they they have no chance of beating the Bills or the Chiefs or probably three or four other teams in the AFC. So, uh, I just felt like the Matt Ryan experience, if you wanted to make the playoffs and win the worst division in football, then then that would be a way to go. But in the long term, it's just prolonging your chances of ever really being an above average football team. And I think I mean, I said this all before the season started. I think it's played out exactly as I said it would play. I mean, this is a nine, 10 win team that has 0.0 chance of advancing in the playoffs because they're not as good as the best teams. And it really is a philosophy of NFL teams. I think there are some teams, and I think the Colts might be one of them, which is I just want to make the playoffs. That's our goal. If we do that quietly, uh, that is our goal. We don't want anything more. Now, if you know, a lot of teams will say my goal is to win the Super Bowl. If your goal is to win the Super Bowl, the best thing for the Colts this year not be to be starting Matt Ryan. It would be to to hope you find the next great quarterback that can contend with the Mahomes and the Allens and the Herberts and and have a chance in the AFC. Matt Ryan's not the guy. He's going to win you nine games. He's going to have really good games like last week. He's going to have some really bad games, but he's also only going to get worse. Uh, his ceiling, every single game, his ceiling will come down and his floor also goes down. And, you know, I just don't, I think it's it's a myth. Every team says at the start of the year, our goal is to win a Super Bowl. I, I don't think a lot of teams really care if they win the Super Bowl. I think they just want to win nine, ten games and make the playoffs. And for some cities, that's enough. And if that's enough in Indianapolis, then you got your guy. If you actually do want to hold the Lombardi one day, then you got to be willing to take chances and take a risk. And, you know, whether this works out in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson or not, I don't know. But I applaud them for at least taking a chance on someone that could win a Super Bowl. Because I know Matt Ryan can't, Dan. I know he can't. I don't – I can't argue with you. And I've, I've said for years, while the nation has talked about our, our being the Colts, uh, general manager Chris Ballard as this great GM, I've always said this, and I got this from other NFL folks. 
Chris Ballard is a survivor. There are winners, losers, survivors. And to your point, right now, right now in Indianapolis, making the playoffs would let Chris Ballard survive. It, it would. And he's also said, to your point, look, if I draft a quarterback early, y'all will run me out of town if it doesn't work out. Like, what, what is that? So what? Right. You draft so, a quarterback early, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh, uh, you know, Steeler fan, the whole deal, season tickets since I was two. Uh, Pittsburgh might be the worst team in the NFL, but they're starting Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett is the a number one draft pick, the only quarterback taken in the first round. Now, in 12 games or at the end of next year, the decision might be Kenny Pickett's nothing more than a backup, a third string, or a, or a, a CFL guy. If that's the case, that's the case. Wonderful. You took a chance. You rolled the dice. You lost. I'm not going to sit here and say every every GM that takes a quarterback is going to pick a Hall of Famer. But if, like, the Steelers' goal, I do believe, is to win the Super Bowl, they're going from Ben, who was there for 18 years, that won two, went to three. It went from Bradshaw, who won four and four. Now they're going to Kenny Pickett. Now, if that's the right choice, I, I've seen him again. Uh, I've seen him one whole game. He came in halfway through the Jets game, played the Bills. It was thirty-eight to three, and he played the first half before he suffered a concussion. So I'm not ready to make an assessment on whether he's a hall of future Hall of Famer that's going to win multiple Super Bowls or not. What I am going to say is, by the end of the year, or even into next year, I think the Steelers will know. And if he's not the guy they will move off of him and go after the next guy and go after the next guy. Like it's not that easy to get the next Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, but you have to try. And if you don't try, that means you're not trying to win the Super Bowl. That, that's just, I mean, you know, this whole idea, I mean, I give the Niners, you know, the Niners take a lot of heat. The reality is everyone, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he, he took you to a Super Bowl and almost went to another. Okay. He didn't win any of them. And they deemed in San Francisco that he can't win one, that he's too big of a liability, even with a great team. Now, is Trey Lance better than Garoppolo? Is Trey Lance the answer? Probably not. But at least you take a shot. Maybe Lance, after eight, nine games, it all comes together, and you have the next guy. And if you don't, you got to move on. But when you know, you know. You know Garoppolo's not it. I applaud you. If your goal is to go to the playoffs, then maybe Garoppolo's your guy. But for all these teams that say they want to win a Super Bowl, Dan, that's a lot of crap. A lot of these guys want to survive and keep their job and keep getting a paycheck. Let me ask you, about: is it, can I say the same thing about NFL coaches? You give it a shot, well, it don't work, we got to get – can you say the same thing? I mean, I will say this. Now, I'm curious for this debate I have with you because you were a coach at a very high level. And as a coach at a high level, Bowling Green State University basketball coach, there's going to be uh, opinions on talk radio about you. There's going to be uh, opinion stories written, columns written in the, the paper about you and decisions you made or didn't make or whatever. That's, that's part of what it comes with, with coaching. I will say this, though. I've always said coaching's tougher than it looks. Uh, coaching in the NFL right now at the head coaching level is, is atrocious. I honestly believe that I could go into a locker room and give me, give me six days 
and I would have teams more prepared and make better time, clock management, and game plan decisions than I'm going to say 50% of these morons, Dan. It is unbelievable. Like, you're on your couch, and you see that your team just scored a touchdown to go up by seven. An extra point makes it an eight-point game, and this moron goes for two. An eight-point game. I I mean, it is unbelievable the decision-making in the National Football League that a 12-year-old would know would know what the proper play is there. These guys going for two, going for it on fourth. I mean, they're just morons. Uh, morons. The going for two, the, the going for two. Like, I get it. Some guy in the booth upstairs is telling you, you got a 54% chance. I swear to God. If an analytics guy told an NFL coach, hey, look, don't take the stairs. You got a 54% better chance of jumping off the third floor. I swear to God, NFL coaches would do it. I swear they would. The decision-making, the game planning, the short passing, the the amount of teams on third and eight that run a four-yard pattern. Like, that's the actual game plan. The pattern is to run four yards catch the ball, get tackled, and then punt. Uh, it, it, the coaching in the, coaching in the NFL, it's why Belichick is all of a sudden 3-3 three and three on his ninth quarterback is because, I mean, he must laugh. He must laugh a lot privately. Like, are you kidding me? I get to coach against this guy this week. His team's way better than mine, but this guy's a moron. <laughs> hey. I cannot argue. When Brandon Staley went for it on fourth down in his own territory the other day, and even his players, Keenan Allen, are like, "What are we doing?" You know what I mean? Uh, like, or how about the, right. how about the how about the challenge flag? I've watched four replays in a in a row that show the guy's foot's on the line. He's out of bounds, and we're going to throw a challenge flag. Like, maybe these coaches, those those maybe those earphones they have are like playing books on tape. Because they're not listening to someone that has a monitor in front of them that says, uh, yeah, coach's foot's on the line. Don't challenge it. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, I, it just, it's appalling to me how bad. And like I said, maybe you'll stand up. You were a coach. Uh, it's amazing to me how bad some of these guys are. You know, Ryan, I normally defend coaches. I do. I normally say, well, you don't know the background or, well, but there is no background when you're when you kick an extra point to go up eight, as you said, or you kick an extra point to go up seven. I've seen guys go for two up six, which look, right. Bear Bryant said this. I've always I've Bear Bryant said it. Coach Knight used to say it. It it it, it stayed with me forever. Take losing out of the equation. Whenever you make a decision. Take losing out. Make sure you don't do something that puts losing in. So I kick a field goal, or excuse me, I kick an extra point. That's seven. That that takes losing, the percentage of losing, way out of it with an easy extra point. I've always said that. Uh, Bear Bryant famously said, I think Knight copied it, but as a coach, you're doing everything you can to take losing out of it, period. Hey, listen, I, I, I mean, analytics is destroying sports, in my opinion. 
the amount of these coaches that are just following some arbitrary uh, numbers game and not doing what your eyes tell you to do, it is, uh, I mean, I'm watching game after game, and there's a reason. There's a reason that all these games are now kicking field goal after field goal, and we're seeing, you know, all we heard was that you can't not allowed to play defense any anymore. Look, check out some of these scores. And I'm not talking college. I'm talking check out the scores in the NFL. They are field goal fests for the most part. And I'm talking about almost all of them. And that reason also is simple. Teams are not throwing the ball down the field anymore. You're not seeing long touchdowns. You're not seeing 25-yard touchdowns. You're dink and dunk, dink and dunk. Teams are ending up on the eight, nine-yard line, and they're unable to score a touchdown because, obviously, defense now doesn't have to play long, and the only thing you can do is run the short pattern. I mean, the, the dink and dunk is destroying the NFL. These coaches don't see it. It's third and six. They're running two-yard outs. It's, it's mind-boggling to me how bad the, the scheming, the time management, the replay, the analytics, uh, the coaching in the NFL has never been worse. What do you think? Here's what I have to do, and I'm going to set this up, and I, I don't want to – if you think it's great, then it's great. But every time I see a play, Ryan, every time, I immediately look down to the bottom right and go, is there a flag? You know, I, I can't right. like. It, there's like I, flags are driving me crazy in the NFL. Listen, I tune in every week. You tune in every week. You're just bragging about your big parlay you hit. Uh, it's on Thursday, obviously. Two parlays. The NFL's on Thursday, Sunday, Monday. Um, the product is getting worse now. When you do get great quarterbacks, and quarterbacks in this league, for the most part, stink. They really stink. When you do get two really good ones, like Mahomes and Allen, you remember why you love this game. And you're seeing guys that are throwing the ball 40 yards down the field and jumping over people and extending plays, and it is a beautiful game. The reality is that's like one out of ten, man. Quarterbacks stink. Coaching stink. Flag on every play, commercial after every other play. Uh, you know, this whole idea, when whoever whoever made the decision, college is, the, the NFL is evolving to college. We're starting to bring in the college concepts. There's a reason they do them in college and not the pros for 50 freaking years. It's because in college, you got 19-year-olds that are running the play. These college concepts, yep. what, the jet sweep? Okay, the jet sweep works great against Texas A&M or Texas Tech or Texas Austin P. It doesn't work in the NFL when your nose tackle runs a 4-5. It, that is so That is so freaking true. Uh, let me go back to something. We're going to incorporate the bubble screen. Let me go back to For those of you that don't know, Ryan literally sat in studios all day doing college football Saturday and then Sunday at ESPN. So all he did was watch and watch and watch and have knuckleheads come in and sit next to him that were ex-coaches and, you know, talk and talk and talk. I was one of them in basketball. Um, I do want to go back to Pittsburgh for a second. 
You yeah. mentioned something that never happens, man. You're talking about – and I said this before the season. I made a couple predictions. One, I didn't think the Steelers would make the playoffs. I didn't think the Bucs would make the playoffs because I think Tom Brady's got to be all in. you got to be all in, I think. I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, listen, the all-in part, uh, you know, going to Kraft's wedding or taking the three weeks off to try to save his marriage, like the all-in is a valid argument, but – even if he was all in, like you just can't do it forever. And that's right. You know, I watched that's every, right. You know, take take the all in out of it. Uh, he's real skittish because he, you know, he's old and it hurts a lot more and hurts for a lot longer when you get hit. <laughs> like he's real skittish now. I mean, he was always good. He's got to have a great offensive line where he really can use his brain. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's washed, man. I mean, he's going to have really good games like Matt Ryan, but he's going to have re- – like a lot of people are crediting Tomlin and the Steelers, and, and they defensively they did what they had to do to win that game. But the reason – that game was lost by Tom Brady. It wasn't the Steelers. It wasn't the Steelers' offense. It wasn't the Bucks' defense. It wasn't the Bucks' offensive line. The game was lost because Tom Brady stunk the joint out. And listen, that go watch every play. Tom Brady stunk, and he should. He's he's an old dude, man. He's the greatest of all time, and no way is this a testament, much like when you had, you know, you can go through the, the, the annals of time where you remember a player in his prime playing for another team at the end of his career getting a paycheck. You know, the classic one is Willie Mays or Joe Namath or Emmitt Smith or Franco Harris with the Seahawks, but the reality is, when you get old and you can't play anymore and someone's willing to pay you, not listen, the Brady Buccaneer difference is a little different because he could play, but it's over now. It's over. I mean, just, he can't play anymore at the did, level to win the Super Bowl. Does, does Mike Tomlin have a viable excuse, TJ Watt being out, they're running a new quarterback out there, or I don't know, it, it, are they good enough? Can they still get to the playoffs? Can he still not have a – Losing season. You're the Pittsburgh guy. Yeah. Well, no, they're going to have a losing season. And it, it's, it's, it's part of being okay. Like, the, no one remembers this. The reason the Steelers got Roethlisberger is because they had the 10th pick in the draft 18 years ago. Uh, and that allowed you to get a guy that was the guy that's first ballot Hall of Famer that went to three Super Bowls. Um, you know, they have the highest paid defense in the league. Uh, they are, their all-time record without T.J. Watt in the lineup is 1-11. He's the best player in defense for a reason. He does change games. They likely, uh, and I'm usually on the glass half empty, but they're, they were likely 4-0 this year if T.J. Watt was on the field. With everything else playing exactly the same, he's that big of a difference maker. He's unblockable, or it takes two, and then that someone else is freed up. Uh, you have T.J. Watt. Is he, he's played one game this year. They won it. Uh, they have Minka Fitzpatrick, who's the highest-paid safety in the game. He's a really good player. They have a lot of other holes. Their offensive line is trash. They picked the wrong running back. Najee Harris is a bust. He'll be out of the league in three years, very similar to Trent Richardson. It's difficult. These running backs look so unbelievable at Alabama because of the schedule and because of the offensive line and because it's college football. And 
I mean, the Steelers' best running back is an undrafted free agent from Oklahoma State, and he's really good. He actually might be like the guy, but they missed on the number one pick in Najee Harris. He's, he's a bust. Uh, we'll find out about Pickett. I mean, I don't mind. I don't. It's funny. Maybe it's because I've been spoiled for so long and, and you know, for 18 years, they've never had a losing record. But I'm okay with a losing record. Like, to me, I don't want to go to the playoffs anymore and lose. To me, I'd rather not make the playoffs and have a, have a, get players that would allow me to win the Super Bowl. I mean, that's, that's just how I think and want my team to operate. Yeah, I can't stand uh, playoff weekend and the Colts aren't in it. When you get to be my age, you want appointment TV. You want to be able to sit your fat ass down and go, all right, I'm getting everything done and I'm watching the Colts play the Steelers in the playoffs as opposed to, nah, I'll get stuff done. I'm going to watch the Steelers play Cincinnati. Nah, I need my team in the playoff. I do. I just do. Listen, this is the first year in in two decades that the Steelers are not going to be involved in that hunt. I've always said the hunt is a lot more fun from a fan's perspective than getting to the playoffs. The playoffs are, are over so quickly. Um, but looking at this team objectively, they need better players. And the way you get better players is you have good drafts, but it also means especially – like, they took Devin Bush. They traded a first round. They moved up to the 10th pick in the draft. That is a that is a trade that sets your franchise back two, three years. The guy's going to be out of football. He stinks. He's, they didn't, he didn't get his, his rookie extension. Uh, so you missed on Devin Bush. You missed on Najee. You start missing on number one picks. All of a sudden, it's tough to win 10 games. You know, that's, it's interesting because people say, well, you know, the Jaguars uh, should be good because they've had these number one picks. Well, that's assuming that you hit on the number one pick. All right, let me go this route with you. You went to Syracuse. You know, yes. my, ba- you know my background, my wife, my stepchildren. Oh, yeah. Syracuse Clemson this weekend, baby. Syracuse wins this one. Then Notre Dame comes in. We're talking possible college football playoff. Not saying they're in, but first time ever to Cuse in a meaningful game, big boy. Well, first time ever. Let's let's rewind the tape there. I mean, oh, Dan, that's an absurd comment. They won national championships in the 80s. Okay, I'm not. In the win? Marvin Graves, they started the season number two in the country in the preseason polls. Donovan McNabb went to a New Year's Day bowl every single year. Now, listen, it's a new thing with the playoff. I get it. I'm not going to go off point. Syracuse does have a very proud football history. They've sucked for, for 20 years. Here's the deal. Clemson's played nobody. Clemson, Clemson has played Wait, nobody. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. I'm not going to say that Florida State is any good, but going into Florida State and winning like they did is pretty good. I mean, I'm just saying, in Florida State, you're old enough to remember. Come on, that that ain't easy. You know what Florida State's record is, Dan? It's not good. They're a 500 team. It's not good. So a lot of of teams are going into Florida State and winning. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) here's the deal. The line's 13 and a half. 
Uh, Clemson is favored by 13 and a half. Uh, I do think this Syracuse team is different defensively, and I do like – I think they have the better quarterback on the field on Saturday. It's a, a transfer from Old Miss, and he's had a great year. And I think he'll actually play on Sundays in a, a Taysen Hill kind of role. The line's 13 and a half. I do like the points. Uh, I'm not sure what Clemson is other than uh, they, I know they've got all five-star players, but they haven't really been tested this year. Uh, they're common opponents. Uh, the scores are pretty much exactly the same. Uh, Syracuse beat Purdue. I think Purdue's a pretty good team. Uh they both beat NC State, who was ranked. I give them a chance. I take the points. At the end of the day, Clemson has the much better players, but Clemson has the much better players than everyone but Alabama and Georgia. So, uh, But, it, you know, it's football. It's going to come down to turnovers. It's going to come down to can the Syracuse quarterback have a little bit of time because I just don't, you know, there's five stars all across the Clemson front. Maybe they just overwhelm and Syracuse can't run it or throw it and it's 24 zip at half. What I saw against Florida State or saw against Wake Forest or saw against NC State with, with Clemson, they're not playing like that right now. So I think it's going to be a game. Fair enough. I, you know, I love that wide receiver that they have, the big kid, the running back, Tucker's a nice player. They get Eric Covey back. Uh, cool. I always say Covey. Kid's been at my house for weeks. Eric Coley back. Why do I say Coley? Covey. What am I doing? Anyway, so I'm looking forward to it. Best. All right, last, last thing before I let you go. If you're a Notre Dame fan, what are you thinking? All right. I think we lost Ryan. I think he froze up on us. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come right back. I got my five NFL MVPs. We must have lost him. He froze up down in Florida. Uh, Let's do that, Dylan. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Ryan Burr, the power surge, uh, still from the storm. He sent me a text. He said, yeah, it's been a problem. So, Ryan, that was good stuff, man. A lot of information there, a lot of fun stuff. And he's right. Let's be honest. Uh, the NFL product stinks. In fact, this afternoon on my afternoon show, we're going to have uh, Mark Baltz, longtime NFL ref. He is an outspoken critic of what the NFL has done to its older referees. He's gotten them out of there. You got to have diversity, women, you got to have all this stuff. And you've seen, I think, horrific refereeing. Maybe not because of that. I don't know. But I do know a lot of guys that have experience and common sense have been given the boot. And uh, what are you going to do? We'll see. But I don't necessarily agree or disagree, but we are going to talk about it. It is something to talk about. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Hey, I've got my five NFL MVPs, and you ain't going to like it. I'm going to say it right now. You're going to argue about it. You're going to call me a homer about it, and you're out of your freaking mind. Because in my world, MVP means exactly that, most valuable player. Most valuable player. Not the guy with the best statistics. Not the guy with the media backing. It's most valuable player. Who's valuable to your team? And I want you to think about your team. Now, everybody could say, well, you know, the left tackle is most valuable because if the quarterback doesn't have protection, then what the hell? Well, he's right. You're right. But there is also on my five-person list, four of them are quarterbacks. That's right. Four are quarterbacks. 
So let's get right to it. And you're going to think I'm insane with this. And I don't think I'm insane with this. I think I'm smart with this. Number five, Matt Ryan. Now let's be honest about something. You don't think so because right now you're thinking short-sighted. Colts three, two, and one. Well, they can't be. No, 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 no. Matt Ryan is second in the league in passing yardage. Matt Ryan's only eight to seven touchdowns to interception, but I'm going to tell you something about Matt Ryan and the word valuable. Matt Ryan has led the Colts in all three wins to game-winning drives late. You know what? Say whatever you want. Yeah, it was a bad game against the Broncos. Horrible game against the Broncos. But you know what Matt Ryan did? He marched the Colts down the field, got them in position, got a score, and won the game. Yeah, horrible. I mean, awful against the Broncos. Oh, you couldn't even play the Broncos. Matt Ryan did it. All right. Well, Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs sacks Matt Ryan. Ah, are you kidding me? Matt Ryan stinks. Then guess what happens? Chris Jones gets in his face. Then guess what happens? You know the answer to this. Matt Ryan takes the team down the field, gets a touchdown, or sorry, gets a score, a touchdown, and wins the game. This past week, man, Colts are getting rocked. I'm tweeting out bad stuff. Everybody is. Guess what happens? Late in the game. Matt Ryan takes the team down the field. They could score a a field goal to win the game because Matt Ryan has taken them down there. But instead, no. little sideline pattern right there. uh, Alec Pierce, touchdown, Matt Ryan, game-winning drive again. Now, I don't know what to tell you, but the Colts are going to go on a run here. I think they beat the Titans. I think they beat Washington. Now I think you're 4-0. And in two weeks, you're going to revisit this, and you're going to say Dockage wasn't a homer. Dockage was doing what Dockage does, which is be smarter than everybody, think beyond his nose unlike anybody, and move it along. All right, number four, the New York football giants, and it ain't Daniel Jones. The New York football giants are rolling. Brian Dable, probably. Uh, Robert Sala, probably. Uh, McCarthy in Dallas, probably. The three front runners for coach of the year in the NFL, I would think. But guess what? My number four for most valuable player is Saquon Barkley. It's not Daniel Jones, the quarterback. It's not Thibodeau, the, the, uh, the, the early draft choice. It's a guy that I absolutely love. It's Saquon Barkley. Dan, you're crazy. Running backs don't matter. In this case, they do. I go back to the summertime, and this dude here, Saquon Barkley, was no joke. Saquon Barkley said, I'm not messing around this year. I don't give a damn about being a nice guy. And he's one of the all-time nice guys. No, he's not playing around. He don't care about your fantasy team. He's going to go out, and here's what he's done. 616 yards, 5.2 yards of carry. He is their leading pass catcher. Now, I want you to think about that. He's their leading rusher, and he is their leading receiver in terms of catches. Now, I don't know what to tell you. I'll tell you something else he does. He blocks. He plays hard. He leads. Again, I'm using the term valuable. Valuable. What makes a guy valuable? Well, What makes a guy like Saquon Barkley valuable is running the football. Don't get me wrong. 5.2 yards of carry? Are you crazy? Get this thing out of my – this thing's driving me nuts here. 5.2 yards of carry. 
What are you, insane? 616 yards. 26 catches. 155 yards. He's moving chains, people. And he's leading. And he is the guy that everybody goes like this when he comes into the weight room. Everybody goes like this when he's in the meeting room. Some teams have a quarterback that makes you do it. Tom Brady walks in the building, at least before this weekend. Everybody sits up straight. Phillip Rivers actually had a little bit of that when he was here in Indianapolis. But I'm telling you right now, people told me this. Watch Saquon Barkley this summer. I have. And it's good stuff. Really, really good stuff. All right. Number three, you can get mad at me all you'd like. You can get mad at me because for whatever the reason, this dude makes people mad. You like that? Kirk Cousins. Now, I don't know. Again, I go to certain things. What's your record? Record's pretty good. Record's not bad. Kirk Cousins, I don't know, 1,500 yards to this point. Kirk Cousins has been nothing short of a big-time, and I mean big-time leader. I get it. There is a sense of toughness with the Minnesota Vikings. My boy went there. That's right. Ryan Grigson is second in command there. So next thing you know, they got some real toughness in their organization. Next thing you know, they're winning games against pretty damn good football teams. Remember what they did, Minnesota, early in the season? Do you remember? They beat the Packers right from jump and beat them bad. Do you remember? I do. Maybe you don't. They went down to Miami. I don't care whether two is playing or not. Doesn't Miami have the greatest coach in the history of football? They beat them. They beat Chicago. They beat New Orleans. They beat Detroit. The only loss is at Philadelphia. Now, I'm going to tell you this hasn't been the most difficult schedule, but last I looked, it's an NFL schedule. Last I looked, they played three division teams, and everybody told, well, you know, the division teams is a real tough one. Now, I get it. They played them all at home. We'll see what happens, but I'm just going by right now. 277, 221, 260, 273, 296, 175 in his last three. They got a bye week uh, coming up. Or they, yeah, they got a bye week coming up. You can say whatever you want, but this team is 5-1, and one, and Kirk Cousins is leading it in all different kind of ways, and I am here for it. I'm always here for it when guys catch a lot of hell from media members. I'm always here for it when guys become whipping boys for the media and for fans. Kirk Cousins stinks, man. He can't play. Okay, well, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, I, I don't know, but I know this. The dude is leading. The dude is playing. And without him, they're in serious, serious trouble. Serious trouble. Kirk Cousins has been really good. I mean, really good. Now, has he been as good as Josh Allen? Oh, hell no. No, Josh Allen's terrific. And Josh Allen, because of a couple of things, one, his team's really good. Two, he's been really good. And three, he just jumped over a defender, which makes everybody lose their mind. But Josh Allen is probably number one for most valuable player. If he's not, he's 1A. And I got no problem with that. If somebody told me, Doc, it's your nuts, I'm going with Josh Allen, I'd say, hey, man, you're probably right. I mean, hell, I don't know. I mean, what do you want me to say? They're 5-1, and one, and Josh Allen has been sensational. Remember when Josh Allen sent a, bad, sent a bad tweet when he was like 10 years old and all the little media wonks were mad at him? Yeah, who cares? 
Let me give you this. Oh, man. Dan, lifelong Vikings fan here. Kirk Cousins blows. No, he doesn't. No, I got inside information on this one. They love Kirk Cousins. Why? See, see, Gary, it's exactly what I'm saying, Gary. Everybody wants to criticize Kirk Cousins. That's what happens. And all I do is watch. I'm watching the first game. He's leading them. I watch. I'm talking to people in the organization. They're like, this dude is way better than people thought. Don't at me. Uh, The numbers for Josh Allen are stupid. Again, this is most valuable. I don't give most valuable to Andre Dawson, who finished last for the Cubs in 1987. That's not most valuable to me. No. That's just a guy with good numbers on a bad team. Look, somebody has got to be the leading scorer on bad basketball teams. Somebody is the leading rebounder on bad basketball teams. Every bad baseball team has a leading home run hitter. I got no interest in those folks. None. Zip. Zero. I'm just going by right now. The only guy I'm going with a futures bet is Matt Ryan, but hell, Matt Ryan, I don't know. All he's done is lead his team to victory. Oh, man, this is crushing. I'll get to Gary's latest text. Let me go through Josh Allen, 297. That's for openers. And if you remember, the first drive against the Rams, opening night, Thursday, magic. 317, 400, 213, 424. Man, 329 to 424 was against the Steelers. You can make the argument statistically. It's not even close, right? Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL, but I ain't buying it. Well, I am buying that he's the best quarterback in the NFL. I am buying that, but I'm not buying he's the most valuable player right now. I would contend that Josh Allen's terrific. And to say that he's 1A doesn't mean he's not any good. It's almost like if you say my next guy, who, by the way, is Jalen Hurts, Like, if I had a vote, I would give it to Jalen Hurts. But that doesn't mean Josh Allen's no good. He's averaging 330 yards a game, Josh Allen. But people say, well, if he's not our guy, you suck, Dockage, because, well, you know what? Josh Allen, what? You suck, Dockage, because Josh Allen, okay, what? Oh, he's really good, yes. He is. He's second in the league. MVP. No, uh, you suck. He's better than Jalen Hurts. Might be. But I think the Bills would be much better uh, without Josh Allen than the Eagles would be without Jalen Hurts. That's just the way I look at it. Again, I'm saying valuable here. Valuable. 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 I'll say it slow for the boys in the back. Uh, 17 touchdowns, four interceptions for Josh Allen. He's great. I just said he's great. But he ain't the most valuable to this point. There's only one undefeated team. And that undefeated team is the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm going to tell you, they are very good. They are very good in in a multitude of positions. The defense is terrific. The offensive line has stood up. Great. But when you watch the Philadelphia Eagles play, it's like this. What am I doing? I'm looking at the game, but I'm keeping my eye on Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has become my new crush. Tulsi Gabbard is my new crush. 
Jalen Hurts is my new sports crush. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Tulsi Gabbard, like, what are you going to do? And Jalen Hurts has surpassed Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was here. Lamar Jackson and I are breaking up. We are. Look, I can't love somebody unconditionally if they're going to make mistakes in the fourth quarter. That means there's conditions on the love, and of course there is. This is not unrequited love. No. This is conditional. When I talk about sports uh, crushes, you've got to be better in the fourth quarter for me to truly love you. Now, Lamar and I haven't totally broken up. I'm not totally off the Lamar Jackson train, but I will tell you this. To this point, he's the anti-Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge bet on himself, and all he did was get historic on us. Lamar Jackson has bet on himself, and all he's done is go Bob Abilene on us. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? All right, well, Dockage, let me go through some numbers for you. Okay, give me the numbers. 1,900 yards for Josh Allen, 1,500 for Jalen Hurts. You're right. Six touchdowns, two interceptions, 17 for Josh Allen. You're right. You're right. I don't know what to tell you. You're right. Jalen Hurts has run for 293. Jalen Hurts is 400 yards behind Josh Allen. Josh Allen has many more touchdowns. But if you're going to tell me who is the most valuable, most valuable player, whose team wins most because of him? Well, nobody's won more so far in the NFL, correct? I think I'm correct on this. Well, I am. They're the only undefeated team. And no one's won more because, because of that. I don't know what to tell you. The only thing I can tell you is my five for MVP. Matt Ryan, you're laughing now. But Matt Ryan, two weeks from now, you're going to be like, wow. Huh. What show was I watching when that really smart guy in a bad-looking sweatsuit said Matt Ryan was MVP? Oh, yeah, Dockets. Listen to him more. Okay. Saquon Barkley, don't tell me a running back isn't valuable. I look at everything. I'm not some slap that just looks at, well, you know, uh, running backs don't matter. Maybe they don't matter. I I don't have the answer to that. Maybe they don't. Maybe they do. I don't know. Number three, Kirk Cousins. That's right. Kirk Cousins, to me, I know he only throws to Justin Jefferson when he's open by 30 yards. I know that's the narrative, but that's crap. Garbage. Crapola. No. Excuse making. I also know that Josh Allen should be number one. I do. I know Josh Allen should be number one, but he's not because his team would still be fine and have the same record without Josh Allen but Jalen Hurts' Eagles would not. That's it. Did you see this yesterday? Uh, this was discussed yesterday, and I need to hear from you. So yesterday, uh, well, two days ago, Robbie Anderson decides that Robbie Anderson is going to go nuts. He's going to go nuts on his, excuse me, uh, wide receiver coach, Joe Daly. He's going to start yelling and screaming. Why? Because that's what wide receivers do. And I don't care if you're black or white, Stephen A. Smith. Wide receivers go nuts. They do. So next thing you know, he's yelling 
at the, at the wide receiver coach. Then the head coach, interim head coach, Steve Wilkes, says, Robbie Anderson, get out of here. Just go. Just, just, just go. Go back. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. So the caveat to that is now, yesterday, Robbie Anderson has been traded by the Panthers to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Well, people say, Ian Rappaport, a new wide receiver for Kyler Murray. See, I look at it differently. I do. I look at it way differently. I look at it as a new child for Kyler Murray. I look at it as Kyler Murray has a new child to hang out with. You got the mad crapper there. See, people are all over different teams for not drafting DeAndre Hopkins. Do you know what DeAndre Hopkins did at the Combine? Anybody? Does anybody know? You can look this up. DeAndre Hopkins out of Clemson and some guy out of Rutgers, his roommate, at the Combine decided that it was a good idea to crap, and I'm being literal here, all over their hotel room at the Combine. Literally, on the walls, on the ceilings, all over the place. So we call him, DeAndre Hopkins, the mad crapper. He's the mad crapper. I think $20,000, actually in my feeble brain, I'm thinking it's $21,000 of damage done to this hotel room. So you got a quarterback out there that you, you know, stop playing with Legos, stop playing Call of Duty, stop playing Pong, whatever it is that, that Kyler Murray is playing, and start studying. That was actually going in his contract. Okay, that's number one. Now you got the mad crapper. He gets eligible. So the mad crapper, who everybody lost their mind on because a team decided to trade him, well, the mad crapper is now eligible. So you got a child, the mad crapper, and now you got a guy in Robbie Anderson that I swear to God, I'm sure I'm wrong about this, but every freaking time I open up something, I see Robbie Anderson's being a pain in my backside. I don't care if he's black or white. That's for Stephen A. Smith and other idiots on my TV to decide whether that's good or bad. I'm just telling you, when the mad crapper gets a crapping, things start a flapping. And the mad crapper got going. He did. DeAndre Hopkins. Look it up. People always get mad at me. People always say, well, that's not true. Look it up. Look it up. I was doing a show from the Combine. And at the Combine, everybody was talking about what a clown this guy is. Was. Then all of a sudden he goes into the NFL. He makes some catches. ESPN does an article. Blah, 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 blah. And he's the reason everything headed south in Tennessee. Uh, excuse me, Houston, oh, by the way, they're probably right because the NFL don't care about being a mad crapper. But long story short, now you got a child to go along with the mad crapper and a child. That's how I look at the world. Uh, interesting, Andrew Whitworth, who has become like the patron saint of the NFL, all right? He has become the patron saint. He's like some old left tackle who's now on the worst pregame, halftime show, postgame show in America, that Amazon thing with that complete clown Richard Sherman, who, by the way, is really smart. You got to say, you can never criticize Richard Sherman because media guys, at least in Indianapolis, will always say, no, 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 but by the way, he's really smart. Okay, he's really smart. Here's what Andrew Whitworth had to say about Tom Brady uh, yelling, screaming, and going to the wedding of Robert Kraft. He said, it bothered me. It really did. What's Tom always has been about 
as is the guy who's like, you will never outwork me. You will never outprepare me. I will outwork anyone. And I think any one of those guys looks up to him in that way. One of the things that made me retired is I got to the point where mentally I was like, you know what? I don't always want to be here. And I don't always want to do this. I know I can go out and play well, but I don't ever want to be a disservice. It bothered me because that's how I look up to Tom Brady. Whitworth said it was a pivotal day to get ready and prepare on a Saturday. And I will never understand in the history of the world, I will never understand how anybody can defend Tom Brady not going with his team in a walkthrough. Now, I understand that Urban Meyer in the bar was a bad deal, okay, for everybody. I know Urban, for him, for his family. But you know what he got criticized for? Mostly, not going back with his team after a loss. I have seen any of these slap blanks criticizing Tom Brady for not going with his team to prepare and then losing, and as Ryan Burr said, playing horse bleep. Nobody, except for me and other coaches. Friend of mine, Gary, says, hey, great segment. Despite how utterly and completely wrong you are on Cousins, nice job. 40 million. He should wear a mask. He's a bank robber. So I'm going to put this out to you. I'm going to put this out to you. Is Kirk Cousins a bank robber? Is Kirk Cousins somebody that the long arm of the law should, should, come after? Should he be on post office most wanted? There used to be a show called the FBI. And the FBI at the end of the show every Sunday night used to scare the living bejesus out of me because they would show the, the top 10 most wanted criminals. So here it's a Sunday night. I'm a little kid. Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. would come on and he would start talking about, here's the 10 most wanted. This guy's in Chicago. He murdered 72 people. And we're like, wait a second, I'm only 30, 40 minutes from Chicago. Mom! And I would put my head under my pillow and my blanket where, of course, nobody could get me. Right? So is Kirk Cousins, is Kirk Cousins a thief, a thief? thief for absolutely stealing money. I'm with my other boss, Aaron. Tell Gary to shut up. His team is five and one. See, you got to understand, when your team is five and one and you're not used to being five and one, you don't know how to handle it. And Gary doesn't, see, certain organizations, I want you to think about this. Indiana basketball. Indiana basketball wins two games. Oh, man. It's banner number six. Purdue wins 10 games in a row. Oh, man, something bad's going to happen. You know something bad's going to happen. You know, it's, it's all, that's the difference in fan bases. Minnesota, apparently, is one of those fan bases where you're 5-1, and one, Kirk Cousins, who cares how much he's making, and you're sitting there going, oh, man. 
something bad's going to happen. We got a thief at quarterback. I got to know your fan base. I do. I got to know your fan base. (laughs) True story. Indiana. Indiana will beat North Carolina Asheville. Then they'll beat Elkhorn State. Then they'll have a nail-biter with UNC Wilmington. And if you ask anybody, any Indiana fan after those three games, oh, yeah, it's banner number six. Can't wait. No, man, can't wait. The Vikings are 5-1. and one. Now, that's not a small sample size in the NFL. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. That's not a small sample size. That's 6 out of 17. I'm no mathematician, but when you divide that in half, that's still 6 out of 17 or 3, and a half, or three uh, out, out of 8.5, whatever that number is. I don't know. There, I stay, you know. There's no math here. But damn. What other fan base do you have that wins six, uh, five or six and is going, oh, it's all coming down? I think the Bears are like that. All right, we're going to be right back. I got Kanye news. I got Kanye news. I got a school that made a virus. What are we doing? I got Phil Knight. I got Stephen A. Smith. Stay right here. Where are you going? There's nowhere to go. Retweet us. Let's go. Retweet us. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back. A lot to get to today. The NBA season is starting today. Is Zion Williamson fat? Is John Morant going to be the MVP? I think the Lakers are going to be really, really good. Has Draymond Green been fired yet? Here's a gambling tip for you. You ready? Take the Pacers over 23 and a half. I've never said that. Now, I don't take unders on seasons because I don't want to sit there and root against. It seems like a bad way to live your life. But I am taking the Pacers over. I am. Over. 23 and a half. There's a young energy to this group, and I like them. I had a chance to interview Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Smith, and a bunch of the others, and they're great guys. And I think they're talented. I think Buddy Heald is going to have a big year unless they decide to trade him midway. That's the only way this 23 and a half can go kaput. I think the Pacers over 23 and a half is as good a bet as you can have. I do. I absolutely do. Uh, Stephen A. Smith uh, basically, well, he didn't basically, he said the other day that white people, if white people were Tom Brady, or let me back up. If Tom Brady were black yelling at his offensive line, then it would be a real problem. Is he just an angry white guy? Well, I got to tell you, if any other quarterback with seven Super Bowls yelled at their offensive line, um, I'd be good with it. Not an angry white guy. He's doing what guys do. Now, when he smashed the, the whatever you call that thing, whatever this thing is, the iPad, yeah, well, then he was an angry white guy or angry black guy, angry guy, angry quarterback, yes. When wide receivers go all nuts and want to fight people on the sideline and they're out of control, that's angry guy, white or black. When quarterbacks get in the face of their offensive line, that's called being a leader, I think. Now, I would have stood up to Tom Brady and said, shut the hell up. I don't want to hear from you. You missed our meetings. Maybe if you didn't miss 11 games in training camp, maybe if you didn't miss walkthrough, maybe if you didn't take a day off every week, oh, I don't know, just maybe we all be better. Uh, maybe, but hey, look, what do I know? But I know I'm right. 
And so many people are afraid to talk about Tom Brady. But the bigger issue of Stephen A. Smith bringing race into it, you got to understand this. I said this at the beginning of the show. Stephen A. Smith has to bring race into it. Stephen A. Smith is trying to branch out. What Stephen A. Smith is doing is no different than what I did, but just at a much higher, much more visible level. I was calling games at ESPN. I was the best that they had, according to them. Not according to me, according to them. I'm like, yeah, it's fun. I like going. But you know what? I really got an opportunity here to talk about whatever I want. Race, politics, sports. It's great. So I took him up on it. And the offer was good, better than my ESPN offer. What's not to take? Well, Stephen A. Smith's tired of doing this show. Stephen A. Smith has gotten a lot of traction. You've seen him on Tucker Carlson. You've seen him on Hannity. He's starting to get involved politically. And what do people do that are testing the waters politically? They try to divide, particularly if they're going to end up on the liberal side. You must divide. Because if you just go by issues and what's real, you can't win. The economy's crap. Uh, Race relations in the real world is fine, but on Twitter and on the media, it's crap because that's what they want. Todd Bowles told you that. Our border is crap. Public health is crap. Our cities are crap. There is no issue. Gas prices through the roof, market through the toilet. There's nothing that you can do unless you want to divide. And that's what Stephen A. Smith is doing. There's only a couple things that you do when you broadcast. You entertain, you inform, that's it. So if you look at anything other than Stephen A. Smith as an entertainer that's trying to draw viewers and set a political agenda of division for himself, then if you don't like it, change the channel. I ain't mad at Stephen A. Smith. I'd be mad at the people that are complaining about it. If you don't understand it, ask me. I'll tell you what's going on here. This is weird. Like, I don't know who this guy is, but apparently James Corden is a guy that's had a TV show for a long time. All right? Um, Apparently, James Corden is no longer banned from a restaurant for bullying. He was banned from a restaurant called Balthazar. He was banned from Balthazar because he was yelling and screaming at different fans. He was losing his mind, I'm sorry, on the waitstaff. He was going insane. He was screaming. He was nuts. He was out of his mind. And next thing you know, he gets banned from this very popular, very posh restaurant. All right. Well, um... They did admit the kitchen made some mistakes while serving, including there was a hair. His behavior allegedly went too far for them to handle. Uh, And so then, while Corden was yelling, they decided, well, you're banned. And there's a whole list of things. James Corden called me. He apologized profusely. He blanked up, excuse me, having blanked up myself, The owner of this restaurant says, more than most people, I believe in second chances. Anyone magnanimous enough to apologize to a deadbeat layabout like me and my staff doesn't deserve to be banned from anywhere, especially Balthazar. So come back to the five and dime Jimmy Corden. Jimmy Corden, all is forgiven. I like both sides here. Well, not like Corden's side. But I love the fact we all screw up. I got kicked out of one restaurant in my life. I'll tell you the story. 
Went to Wrigley Field, a bunch of my high school buddies. Went to a restaurant in Chicago. It's right after I was a coach at Indiana. So a lot of people were at the restaurant, and I was just kind of sitting there eating with all my friends, and we're laughing. And I got up because, I don't know, I wanted to go to the bathroom, but I also wanted to get away. So I go, you go around the corner to the bar, bathroom, and the bar was right there. So I sat at the bar about four down from a guy, and the guy's looking at me. And the guy keeps looking at me. Now I know I got a problem, right? And he goes, hey, Dockage, you really effed up Indiana basketball. I had just been the interim coach. And I looked at him, and I said, ah, maybe. And I went back to my drink. He goes, no, you really did. I go, so finally I'd had enough. I go, why don't you go F yourself? Why don't you just go, you know, blah, 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 blah. So the guy, uh, the way the guy was a regular. So the bartender heard it. I don't think he heard the whole exchange. So I go, I'm like, man, whatever you want to do. It's always my line. Whatever you want to do, however you want to handle this, whatever you want to do. So I go to my seat, and next thing you know, there's a bunch of guys there, like little guys. And they're, the guy comes over, uh, sir, you're going to have to leave. I go, what did I do? He said, well, you told that man to go F himself, and you challenge him to a fight. I go, well, I didn't do anything. And my one buddy, Billy Parks, who's the CEO of a steel company, heard it. I didn't know this, but he was sitting right there. So I said, all right, no problem. So we go out, we get in the car, and my buddy Parks is like, no, no, I heard this. He goes tearing back in. I'm like, no, don't do this, right? Don't go back in. He goes back in there, and I'm looking through the window, and I'm like, oh, man. And he is laying into everybody. He gets back in the car. I'm in the driver's and I look at it. I, I go, you feel better? He goes, oh, yeah, much better. Uh, you don't yell at wait staff. I had a friend of mine get kicked out because I threw a ketchup bottle at him. There's a bar we all hung out at. So I threw a ketchup bottle at him. I don't even know why. And the bartender, hey, you got to go. And he pointed at my buddy's stroke. We were talking about it the other day. Yeah, you got to go. I'm like, yeah, he does. And Stroke's like, you threw the ketchup bottle at me. I said, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but James Corden was losing his mind. I mean, apparently my man's got a bit of a temper. So he's yelling, he's screaming, he's going crazy. And boom, gets the boot. But like most people, we all screw up. Hell, I've screwed up many times. Should have been thrown out of many places, I suppose. I don't know. I try to go low profile, but hey, look, that's not the point. So James Corden gets the boot. He apologizes and all is well. Don't yell at wait staff. I did this the other day. So Urban, myself, maybe I told this story. Urban, myself, and my stepson, Jared. We're going to come back to my house. We're on the sideline at IU, IU against Michigan. I look at him. I go, hey, man, there's about three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Urban's got to do a hit for big noon football. I say, look. I'm going to, you guys want food? Urban's like, yeah, I go, I'm going to call Nick's, get us three Stroms. Get us some Stroms, some onion rings, and French fries for the ride home. All right. Call Nick's, whatever. We go pick it up. Get back in the car, and I tell my stepson, hey, did you tip him? Because we had him run in. We were in traffic. We're like, Jared, just go run up to Kirkwood. Take a right. There's Nick's. Here's my credit card. Go ahead and pay for it. All right. So we, we do all that. 
And I'm like, hey, Jared, you tip? He goes, no, it's carryout. I go, oh, man, that ain't good because I know what happens. People take a picture, my name's on it, and there it is. I didn't tip, so I called Abby. I go, Abby, did we, you know, I put $20 tip on that because I don't want anybody coming at me for not tip. I think they did it to Drew Brees, right? Well, look, here's why he doesn't tip. No. So I wanted that out of the way. I wanted that completely and totally out of the damn way. And it got out of the way, thank goodness, because all I could see was the Indy star. Dockage doesn't tip. I'm among the top five tippers per capita, per income in the world. That's right. Kanye West ain't taking it no more. Kanye West says, screw this, I'm buying parlor. You won't let me on Twitter because I'm insane with my anti-Semitic comments. And by the way, my brother married a Jewish gal. My nieces and nephews are raised Jewish. I really did not like what Kanye West had to say. Isn't it about time we leave threats based on religion or based on rates out of things? Isn't it about time we're just smart enough not to lump a group in and say I'm going to do harm to them? It seems idiotic to me that we're still at a level of doing that. I didn't like what Kanye said. I like every single type of person. I do. Now, I'm not saying I like every person, but I like every type. Name me a type, you people. You guys, you know, well, I don't like Serbians or Polish. Well, I'm Serbian and I'm Polish. I like my peeps. I don't like white people. White people are fine. I don't like white. Well, everybody's fine. Everybody's, you know, Asian people. Everybody's great. Now, there are people within those groups, so I can't stand when somebody lumps in, hey, look, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to threaten this group. What is wrong with you? Peeps is peeps, baby. I like them all. I belong to a Jewish country club. Blast. Absolute blast. I don't know if it's a Jewish country club. It was initially a Jewish country club. It's called Broadmoor Country Club here in Indiana. I'm not a member anymore because I moved. Great folks. What are we doing, Kanye? So now he buys his own social media outlet, and away he goes. Probably for the best. If I was on Parler, and I really don't know where Parler is. Somebody told me it was the new uh, Twitter without the restrictions. I'd get off Parler. I don't need that in my life. Phil Knight says he's more conservative than Nike for disagreeing with Oregon's drug, homeless, and abortion laws. Now, remember this. It wasn't but a week ago that Phil Knight gave a million dollars to a conservative candidate running for governor. Look, it, it, you can be left of a till of the hunt, and you're still not as woke as Nike. I mean, Nike couldn't be more woke. Nike's out of its mind woke. Nike's gone crazy woke. And good for them. Fine. Stock's way down. But hey, billions in profits. Phil Knight doesn't have to answer to anybody. Nice to see that he can think for himself and not just the bottom line. I respect. Much respect, Phil Knight. I mean, I don't know how you agree with anything. If you go by policy that the liberals have put in places like Oregon. Indianapolis, Los Angeles, I, I don't know, other than you're just a wonk that agrees with everything that your particular party or the guy that you like or the gal that you like in office does. 
There's nothing to like in terms of policy. Nobody wants to pay inflated gas prices. Nobody wants to see borders open. Nobody wants to see our cities, including Los Angeles, look like third world countries. No one wants to see the idiots of Chaz in, in Portland. Nobody needs all this. Nobody needs to see, uh, well, you know what? We got eight bazillion buses going to New York City. The sanctuary city deal has been exposed as a fraud because nobody wants to. You can't, you cannot defend a liberal politician based on policy. You just simply can't. And anybody with their own brain would understand this. Okay, file this under what could possibly go wrong because we've never seen this escape a lab before. Boston University, their researchers are claiming to have a new, more lethal COVID strain developed in their lab. Now, when I saw this initially, I was hoping against hope that this was like the onion or this was the Babylon Bee or this was something where I'm like, nah, this isn't true. This can't, come on, this can't be true. But apparently, it is true. Now, let me ask you a simple question. A very simple question. Why? Uh, why? Can anybody tell me why? I mean, I'm looking here, and I'm going, why? Becky Quick, who went to my high school, she's on the Squawk Box on CNN, CNBC. She's a former Wall Street Journal reporter, and fortune columnist. She's a freaking genius. And I highly recommend following Becky Quick on Twitter. I don't know Becky, but most people that went through Andrean that are younger than me, both boys and girls, used to come to my basketball camp. So maybe Becky came to my basketball camp. I don't know. But Becky put a picture up the same picture we just saw, Boston University researchers claim to have developed new more lethal COVID strain in lab from the New York Post. Her tweet was very simple. Mm, why? I don't know. Somebody tell me. Mm, why? Why are we sitting here with a new more lethal COVID vaccine? Now, maybe it's to study the, not the vaccine, the virus, to prevent the virus. I'm sure there is something other than we're going to unleash it on our society for whatever the reason. There has to be a reason. I don't know the reason. I don't care the reason. I'm like Becky Quick. I just simply ask, mm, why? It's a simple question. It is. It, 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 it is. It's a very, 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 very simple question. Why? It's like you go to the bathroom and you don't flush the toilet. Why? Why is the greatest question ever? It is. Like if somebody said to me, well, you've got to vote for Joe Biden, I'd say, why? Why? <laughs> I mean, seriously, uh, why? And then I would listen and I would go about my business. But why? 
I don't know, but the world is an absolute blank show when we are making a more lethal virus unless it is simply to study. And I'm going to give Boston University credit because they're not going to release. I thought you could make this virus in a lab. I thought two years ago saying it was the Wuhan or Chinese virus was racist. I, I don't know. Don't worry about it. Something more will come up. All right. We got the woke dope Who's today's dope because they're so woke that they don't know their backside from third base? I, these are my favorites. All you got to do is go to clown show. What's that? Uh, I did not hear you, but I assume we are going to have it up here in a minute. But one of the things that I love about woke, what? All right. So another reason, another reason that Omicron boosters, all right, Omicron boosters could could arm you against variants that don't yet exist. So can I ask a question? Could it put an H in there? Could it harm you against things that don't yet exist in your body? Could it accelerate things that don't yet exist in your body? I'm not saying it does. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just asking a question. Could it? Would it? Can it? Can it harm you for things that you don't know? Can it accelerate things in your body that maybe were dormant? These are the questions that I ask. I mean, if we're going to ask questions like, hey, I think this can cause us to never get sick again over variants that are never even going to be around, I'd be like, all right, whatever you want, man. I I don't know the answer to that. But I do know when people are lying to me, and I do know when people are stretching it on me, and I do know when I should turn it off and go, you're out of your freaking mind. I do know that. I do. That to me, I got a what the hell for you. Uh, And I was going to use this tomorrow, but this is too good. There is a study that says air pollution is making women fat. There is another headline that says, not all women menstruate, true, not all menstruators are women. Okay. All right. Uh, That may be why I get in a bad mood once in a while. I don't know. California makes it illegal for doctors to disagree with politicians. That's scary. Because I'm telling you, All you got to do is understand this about politicians. Politicians, nine out of 10 times, were those dorks that nobody talked to, nobody wanted to be around, all right? Which is fine. I was one of those dorks. All I wanted to do was shoot baskets in my driveway. But then when you grow up and you decide, all right, I want to be a politician, then you get a little bit of notoriety. Then you get a little bit of fame. Then you get a little bit of, wait a second here. Girl like that would never talk to me. And now she's hitting on me. 
or now I'm invited to the cool kids party. Cigars with the boys and scotch at blend? Certainly. And that's when you get in trouble. That's when you lose your damn mind as a politician. Why do you think that list that everybody's gotten on emails of all the different sexual assaults, all the rapes, all the DUIs, all the financial problems, and they ask you, what, is this a professional sports league or is this Congress? And the answer, of course, Congress. Because politicians have zero idea how to handle the fame that comes with being a big-time politician. So to think that these clowns are now smarter than doctors and to not give doctors the right to overrule politicians is literal insanity. It just is. Like there is kind of insanity, there is literal insanity, and there is the kind of insanity that even pills don't handle. And this might be the kind of insanity that even pills can't handle. No, it's true. Politicians can't overrule doctors, doesn't make sense, and it's because of what I told you. Politicians, while most are very smart, some are very deserving, can't handle any, I mean any, type of fame, and that's why they get in trouble. Hey, you know what I got for you tomorrow? I want you to listen to me. Tomorrow I got Doc Gooden. Remember Doc Gooden? I got Doc Gooden tomorrow. Doc Gooden, 10 o'clock tomorrow. We're going to talk Yankees and Cleveland, assuming we get both in tonight. We're also going to see where he is with the others. Maybe the Padres, maybe the Astros. We're going to see where we're at with a variety of things. I love, I, hey, look, the Phillies. You got the Padres and the Phillies. You got the Astros waiting for the Yankees or the Guardians. You got it all going on tonight. I'm going to take the Yankees. It's a 4.07 start. I'm going to take the Yanks, see what happens. I can't bet against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. They got Cortez going. First time he's going on three days rest. We'll see how that works out. Guys used to just can't wait. Oh, my God, give me the ball. I want it, need it right now on three days rest in the playoffs. We'll see if Nestor Cortez can handle that. Uh, As I was looking at it a little bit earlier, I have not seen the starter for the Guardians, but the truth of the matter is the Guardians' bullpen is either going to win or lose it. Two things are going to win and lose it. You guys know what they are, bullpen and a timely hit. I hate to make it so simple, but that's the way that this thing rolls. Bullpen, timely hit, you move on, away you go, life is good. Simply the way it is in the world that we live in. It is. Tomorrow I'm going to be tired, but you're not going to know it. I'm not going to get home to like 2 in the morning. I'm going to see my Redbirds, Illinois State tonight, the banquet, the fundraiser. We bought a table, but I don't have any friends. So if you live by Illinois State, send me an email, daniel.dockage at radio-one.com. If you live over in that area and you want to go to dinner tonight, hell, I'm buying All right, I'll be in Nash Vegas this weekend, baby. Yeah, that's right. Get ready. Colts are playing. We'll talk more about it as the week goes on. Thanks to everybody, Ryan Burr, for hopping on. We got Doc Gooden tomorrow, Dylan, Ryan, Aaron, Gary, the whole crew. 
Thank you all so, so very much for listening, paying attention, watching. Do me a favor. When you see me retweet the show, retweet it. I got to get more viewers. Have a great afternoon, everybody.